Psalms 108. <laughs> I am determined, O oh God, that I will sing and praise you with my whole heart. Awake, O oh stringed instrument and harp, and I will wake up to the dawn. I will give you thanks before the nations, O Lord, and I will sing praises to you before the foreigners. For your loyal love extends beyond the sky, and your faithfulness reaches the clouds. Rise up above the sky, O God, and may your splendor cover the whole earth. Deliver by your power and answer me, so that the ones you love may be safe. God has spoken in his sanctuary. I will triumph. I will parcel out Shechem, the valley of Succoth. I will measure off. Gilead belongs to me, as does Manasseh. Ephraim is my helmet. Judah, my royal scepter. Moab is my wash basin. I will make Edom serve me. I will shout in triumph over Philistia. Who will lead me into the fortified city? Who will bring me to Edom? God, will you not go up into the battle with our armies? Give us help against our enemy, for any help men might offer is futile. By God's power, we will conquer, and we will trample down our enemies.
can worship you in a way that is pleasing. I can be an incense burning with the pleasing fragrance of Christ. Oh, open our ears and open our eyes so we can see what the Father is saying, what the Son is singing, what the Spirit is burning on the altar. We can be that. The fires of holiness come burning me, and hunger for righteousness come churning me, and fires of holiness come. Righteousness come churning me. Light a flame in our hearts that will never go out. Blow it strong with the breath of the Spirit now. Light a flame in our hearts that will never go out. Oh, blow, blow winds blow. Light a flame in our Torches, 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 oh, fires of holiness come burning me, and hunger for righteousness come churning me, and fires of holiness come burning Righteousness come churning me. And come light me up, cause I want to burn with your goodness pouring forth. So evil hearts will turn. And the torch that
bursting forth of light. of holiness come 
churning me Fires of holiness come burning me Hunger for righteousness come churning me
that he made is yes and amen
reason why we're up against it this morning, and it's okay. As a new light is dawning, for one thing, the Lord, he kept saying this to me, and I, just, I'll just come out and say it. Um, the Lord never wanted mankind to be independent. That man had, the man has chosen a way to like, in their heart, to not make him the monarch. know he said to me he said I hate this detestable feast that's what he said so the Lord never wanted an independence from him I mean there's a change there is a new light that is dawning it's the light of the light of the Lord the full right to us. There's a stand that we have to take this morning. We have to take the stand with the Lord. First of all, that we claim, just like Jacob did when he came out of the Fort Jabbok, a tributary off the side of the Jordan River with a limb proclaiming our dependence on the sovereign God. We will not be liberal or legal. The Lord is raising up a royal family. One in which he sits enthroned as a the grand monarch of the ages. One in which we embrace in this nation for the beginning of a royal family to come up out of the earth. Lord, let the light dawn. Bring forth the royal family. Not blue or red purple family bring forth your family Lord embraces you in full dependency no more parties Lord but a family no more false festivals Lord but a family we would embrace our dependency on the sovereign God and we'll stand here Proclaim you the rightful ruler and king of the universe. Sure, Jesus, holy and righteous and true. We will not relent, Lord, until, until a proper expression of you is found in this earth. And we will not back off, Lord. We invite you, King Jesus. Have your full right in us. No 
sisters. Raise up a nation, Lord. Bring forth the royal family. Let light break forth. Illuminate us, Lord. Yeah. Let the light shine out of the east. As far as the east is from the west. us with an everlasting love. Oh, we want you, King Jesus. Oh, have your way with us, Lord. Breathe on us, Lord. Awaken your church, Lord. Till his kingdom, his kingdom, the king is all that resides. You breathe by his design. Oh, 
you love because of his love. You have because he gives. You are because he is. Oh, you are dependent on him at all times and always and all things. Where could we go that you are not? Where could we go? There's no place. Oh, in the depths of Hades, in the tops of the mountains, you are there. You are God, King, King of all. Bring captive our minds. Oh, take captive your thoughts. To the king.
King eternal, eternal goodness, eternal love, eternal perpetual goodness, perpetual love. can divide who we are, who we are. 
one else can divide.
glory to your name, blessing and honor, glory to your name, to your name, to your name. And I throw my hands to the skies above, and I take my chance with this God of love and every other option. I cast it down Cause I only want you I only want you There is none like you Worthy is the Lamb I join with foolishness Oh, I'd rather be a fool In the eyes of all these men Oh, but one with you, God One with you, God One with you, God I will obey all that you show me to do, I will obey. All that you tell me to speak, I will join the foolishness, the foolishness of God against all this worldly wisdom. Oh, glory to your name, worthy is your name, blessing to your name, power to your name, glory.
is held together. Oh, you are the cohesion that holds the molecules of our body, the air of our lungs, the blood of our veins. Oh, you are the one within us who gives us hope. You are the one beside us who pushes us along. You are the one behind us saying, keep going. And you are the one we are aiming for. Oh, you and only you, Jesus. Oh, glory to your name. Oh, glory to your name. All wisdom and all power and all truth and all goodness and all kindness and all light be unto you. on a throne of truth and righteousness. Oh, perfect are your judgments, God. We love your law, God. Oh, Holy Spirit, oh, come and usher With thankful hearts and thankful hands, Oh, we worship you, God. With grateful tongues, we sing the praises of you. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
Drinking the Tasted death, beaten death, tasted this world, beaten this world. You have overcome, so we may overcome, oh King, firstborn among many brothers, firstborn. Isaiah 40, 22. He is the one who sits on the earth's horizon. the world, even our faith, our full confidence, our full trust, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith.
I agree. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Wow, amazing today. Wow, amazing. Um, we really did get up into an, a place in the atmosphere. Um, where we were up on like the circle of the earth yeah. right yeah and and uh, and I'm like oh and the Lord is like sitting there enthroned and man, I knew that we had hit this place in the throne room at his feet where he was sitting enthroned on the circle of the earth and I you know, I type it in. I was like, is this in the scripture? And there it is, Isaiah 40, 22, that he sits on the circle of the earth. And um, wow. And then all of a sudden I start to see these concentric rings of light do like this. And uh, it, uh, we had like went up, shot up into the atmosphere in worship, got up there. We're on the circle of the earth. There he is enjoying this worship the Lord seated, uh, delighting in us, and then like this, like, like that's only, I know that's a funny sound, but I was like, oh man, light's breaking forth on this circle of the earth, and um I realize that we have been tethered, so to speak, to so many things related to the earth. And then he says, you know, this is the victory that's overcome the world, even our faith. And then, and I don't know if you're experiencing this, but, um, and I don't know if you know this, but this ministry is broken into the next letter in the Hebrew, uh, the Yod. Or the yud, as some some say, the little it's the tiniest letter. And um, last week we had finished up the tet, and I, I want to share this with you because it's amazing when the Lord gives, um, He takes a ministry and sets it on ascension, a path to the sapphire throne. And, you know, you've heard me talk about this, and this may seem a little odd to people, but I said, Lord, how do you navigate to the sapphire throne? I mean, how do you get the navigation right? And he said, well, there's 22 letters. And they're, they're the ascension, because we believe in the gospel, death, burial, resurrection, ascension. Uh, John ascended, Jeremiah ascended, Isaiah ascended, right? This isn't like something that Jesus ascended. Jesus is sitting there in ascension, in his ascension. And so, and so shall we in this end time, Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, to John, come up here. Come up here is like a command. Come up here. And I want to show you things that will be hereafter. The revelation of the beloved, the love, is the revelation of love draws us up. Uh, through the 22 letters of the Hebrew. 
And if you use this, I, the words help me to use this, but Psalms 119 is a, um, was placed in there to help us with ascension. And it has the 22 letters, and between every letter is eight verses. And um, Kara and I kind of found ourselves on this journey, and we're navigating, and literally, we'll go through an experience, and the next verse will match with our experience. And it's very profound to me, because I, it's like, it's not, you, you know, you can't, you can't uh, manufacture God or make him, you, you can't manipulate God. And you can't control God. But if he starts to set objective proofs into your life and you're like, whoa, that's the Lord. And you know that you didn't design the journey that you're on. So many people are living a life of journey, but they're journeying towards maybe something different. Uh, I don't know what everybody's journeying towards, but the Lord has a design to journey us to, I believe, the sapphire throne. Because the beloved will say, when we see him, we will what? Be like him. For we will see him as what? As he is. Um, I was reading this to some of the guys last night. Um, listen to this, and I'll take a little time with you with this before we take up the offering. But I just got to share this because... Um, C.S. Lewis says this in his preface to Paradise Lost on his chapter concerning Satan. He says this, Heaven understands hell, and hell does not understand heaven. And all of us in our measure share the satanic, or at least the Napoleonic um, blindness. Now, hear this out. To project ourselves into a wicked character, meaning if you were to look at someone and you were to compare yourself with them, we only have to stop doing something. You see something in someone else that's not right and you say, I'm not doing that. You, you can see that it's wrong. Um, and or maybe it's something that you're tired of doing. Because you see a wicked character and you see how that their character is not something that you want to continue doing because it's wore you out. Anybody know what I mean? You're like, man, I'm tired of that. I don't want to do that anymore. That way doesn't work. Life has taught me don't do that. Now, some people can project themselves onto a wicked character and hang out with them. That's not good, just to say. You don't want your life to be involved in wickedness. And somehow it's okay with your heart. It's not. It, or that's an alarm should go off. But this is what he says, and I think this is what, when we're saying that this journey to Sapphire Throne, that we will be like him, for we shall see him as he is, to project ourselves into a good one, a good character. But let's say even more so the quintessential man. The quintessence, the, the very exact idea that God had for a man and a woman in Jesus Christ. If we were to project ourselves onto him, we might find out 
that we have to do what we cannot and become what we are not. Do you see? This is why, and I, and I, you have to really understand that this is why, like, the idea of religion is to project yourself in comparison onto someone else. And Second Corinthians ten, I believe, Paul admonishes us and says, "Those that compare themselves among themselves are not what wise. They have they lack wisdom." Because the comparison of one's projection onto another, if you project yourself onto someone who, let's say, is decently good, well, that's okay. But that'll never get you to quintessential men. But if your objective truth is God-man, and you project yourself onto him, this is what happens. This is invariably what happens to all of us. It brings us to a state of humility because we realize what we are not. But listen, brothers and sisters, to the good news. If you ask him wisdom, he will give it to you. He says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let not that man think he will receive anything from the Lord. And see, we cannot engage in double-mindedness. We are neither meant to be liberal or legal. And when that is double-mindedness. We're not made to be like the older brother or the younger brother. We're made a royal family. We're not into parties. We're into family. And when we set our wisdom, our heart towards him, and we recognize even Jesus does this, who's the perfect God, man. He says, I can do nothing of myself. See, a lot of people don't want to admit that. It makes you feel less than independent. It makes you feel dependent. I, I, I can't do it. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. Do you see what I mean? You feel a sort of bereftness. But listen, listen, hear me. Peter talks about... This, he says, when you come to the Lord like this in humility, he will not resist you. Now, Peter doesn't say that, I don't think, but God gives grace to the humble, but resists the proud. So you won't receive his resistance. You'll receive grace and your help in your time of need. And you know what he'll do? He'll take out of you what's not like him and put in you what is. Oh, man. Just keep coming to him. Yeah, I messed up. Yes, repent. Get up. Back on his lap. And let him bring the revelation of his love into your heart and give you more of himself. Recognizing that you cannot and you are not exactly like him. See, a lot of people are tricked. They believe that they are just like him. But we are not yet. Don't surmise in your own mind that you're exactly in your own mind, exactly like God. You know what that's called? Idolatry. <laughs> but everyone that persists in living a life outside of faith believes that. Because anything that is not faith is sin. Everyone sins 
who does not walk by faith because they are saying that I got this life figured out because I know. And God is saying, don't do that. Come to me as one who doesn't know. Come to me as one who says, I can't do this in my, on my own. And in that place will come the divine transfer of the Lord's nature into your very being. And you will become and continually become more like him. So when I say to you, we're coming up to this letter. In this ministry ascending up into the heavens, we are becoming more like him. For the closer we go to the throne, we shall see him as, we, as he is and we will be like him. Um, and that's why so many draw back because we are not and cannot and realize that and we cannot allow this independence to take up charge in our life we must come out like Jacob did and this is the context of today's event that the Lord breaks forth in the dawn in the east and it rises under the hobbling men who's wrestled with God, but God has prevailed. He's come to a place of admittance of who he really is. Who, what is your name? Jacob. I'm a supplanter. I'm a thief. I'm a liar. I'm a conniver. I'm working an angle, but I want an inheritance. Well, you should no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince, you have wrestled with God and men and have prevailed. Amen. Let this new day awaken in, in us, in the circle of the earth, and let it begin to awaken on a whole company of remnant that's coming out from Jabbok. It's a play on words. is Jabbok, Jacob, the crossing of that place, the transfer of change inside the human heart. Awaken the dawn. Amen. Let's take an offering this morning. Lord, thank you. This circle of the earth. In the greatness of your light, break forth across this nation. Awaken our family, Lord. Thank you for the blessing that it is to give this morning. In your name we pray, amen. Bless you as you give. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. And I'm no longer slave to
This week I've been um, asking the Lord because of the transition that we just went under. Okay, you know now now what? How how do I progress forward with uh, coming out of the uh, the letter Tet into the Yod? And um, you know I I want to encourage you to take some time with the Hebrew letters and maybe get in to s- some study of, of that and. If, if you want to go on to, uh, like, YouTube, there's a pastor by the name of Eric Burton. And I've listened to some of his YouTube videos, and I would commend those to you as maybe some help in the just uh, explanation. I, I think, for the most part, he does a really nice job with those letters. Um, you know, when, when the Lord designed creation, he, had, he, had a, he has a language. And that language... Um, it is very important for us to understand and know, and it's very in-depth. But to just take a cursory look at it, I think would um, would benefit all of you greatly, and maybe it would help with some of the way you hear me talk about a language of Hebrew that we're maybe not um, necessarily always familiar with. So if you hear me say the letter Tet, you'll you'll just kind of oh, I know that's that's the ninth letter, and uh, I know that its numerical value is nine. And I kind of know what it's shaped like. It's kind of shaped like this. You know, it's got like this comes up and like this. And that you would you would kind of understand that the tet is is like the letter that they say involves when um, Adam overcoming the serpent and ruling over the serpent and Eve ruling over the serpent in the garden. And how important that would be to um, our families that that Adam would adhere to God's word, what the word had, 
uh, said to him and that the why in Eve's heart would have been answered that she would say, well, why can't you eat from that tree? He's like, well, I'll tell you why the Lord said not to, right? And we, we, I don't think we deeply understand how much of this has got immersed into our natures and things um, where the word of God has to be the, the principal agent in our life. Um, interestingly enough, at the end of Psalms 119, excuse me, 119 verse 72, which is the end of the letter Tet, he says this, he says, the word of your mouth has become more precious to me than thousands of pieces of gold and silver. In Proverbs chapter 27, verse 21, it says, listen to this. It says in there that silver is refined in the crucible and gold in the furnace, but a man is tested by the praise of others' words. You have to make a connection with me between Psalms 119.72 and Proverbs chapter 27, verse 21. That is great as what the crucible does to refine silver, even in your eternal life, even in your soul. And as great as the furnace that would draw up all the dross out of your life to bring forth the very nature of God, and that you had went through the silver test and the gold test. That just in like as that is that a man or a woman is tested by the praise of others. And here's why Psalms 119.72 says what? It says, Your word from your mouth, Lord, the way that I've experienced you, not just like a pharisaical, like I read your Bible, but my experience with you related to what your word is saying to me has become more precious to me than all this world has to offer, even in the realm of gold and silver. That's a pretty remarkable thing because could you imagine having a thousand pieces of gold right now? I mean, really. Your vehicle issues are solved. Your house issues are solved. Your friendship issues might be solved. A lot of people will come and hang out if you got a lot of money. You know what I mean? It may not be your real friends, but at least you got a lot of people that say they're your friends. Relationships, uh, if you got health issues, you go pay the best doctor. I mean, really. But the Lord would have us to know that His Word, the one He is speaking to you, becomes more precious, the word coming out of his mouth, transmitting, transmitting to you, is more precious to you, more valuable to you, than thousands of pieces of gold. Anybody ever done uh, gold exchange or silver exchange? Anybody ever exchanged on the market silver and gold? Anybody? It's pretty awesome. When, it's pretty awesome when you put something in at a lesser value and you get more out of it. Let me just say, I've, I've actually had some, I got to do, I tell that story sometimes, I got to do some gold exchange one time because someone brought me some gold coins at the end of a service because 
The Lord's like, give the whole offering away. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to pay for things. And somebody brings me gold coins, said the Lord told me, give you these. And I said, they're mine, for my family. Yeah. And I went to the coin dealer, and I ended up getting 10 times back what we gave away in offering. And we paid our bills. Gold exchange is, is pretty cool, let me just say. But, he, but I tell you, the Lord, Peter will say this, right? Remember this? Silver and have I, but such as I get up and walk so why wouldn't the Lord limit down things sometimes in our life Revelation 3 come and what yeah come by Isaiah 55 come and purchase without money without price cost I'll give you something better. Come exchange, come and make an exchange with me and I'll, I'll give you something way far superior. And I tell you, man, this is going to matter for all eternity. That we live for eternity now. Come in and let the word of God that's in your soul become more precious to you than any of the substance of this world. Does God give you substance? Yes. Will the Lord provide for you? Yes, He will. Open your hands. <laughs> give and receive. Just open your hand. Allow the Lord to move through you and He'll get it to you. He'll take care of you. He'll bless you and take care of you beyond your greatest and wildest dreams. He'll take care of your um, character and your provision. Let the word of his mouth be more important to you than anything else in this world. Um, you kind of know that like on Bill Day sometimes. I, I don't know if you, we've had experiences thousands and thousands of evolutions. Oh man, you said Lord, but how is that going to equate to that? Set your eyes on the Lord. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Ephesians chapter 4. I, I, this week, again, going back to the threat of the tet and the whole thing of the enemy trying to deceive and trying to get you to move off the position of God's word, but then saying, no, 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 I'm going to follow you. And I heard the Lord say to me, uh, I want you to, to do this sermon today uh, called The Age of the Postmaster Builder. Uh, welcome to the age of the post, not postmaster like postmaster at the, uh, the postmaster general, but the post-master builder. Welcome to the age of the post-master builder. And I, I want to go to Ephesians 4 and, um, and begin with this. Uh, Paul speaking, I therefore, <clears throat> the prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to live worthily of the calling which you have been called. Now, if, if, you, if you weren't here last week or the week before, please um, go on our podcast and listen to those sermons. It's called uh, Eastover 3 and Eastover 4. 
because I get into um, Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, to be clothed as the elect of God, humble, to put, to, we're putting on that we're loved, and chosen by the Lord, and that it was really important for us to realize our election. And he'll get into that it's important that you recognize your, the calling that is on your life. And we got into that in Second Peter 1 last week. It's, it's very important. Peter's saying, like, really, really give attention to your election and your calling. Here we are again. The Lord tells me this morning, I want you to go to Ephesians 5, chapter 4. He says, he says this, I urge you to live worthily of your calling. Live up to the call that's been placed on your life. How do I live worthily? Well, I have to assign value. I have to assign value first to the Lord that he's my highest reward. And I have to assign value to what he says to, to me. Because, listen everybody, you can give value to so many different things. We talked about that about gold and silver. You can separate value and say, this is valuable to me. Um, this is valuable to me. And I let the, maybe the Lord speak to you about your value system. But he's saying, I want you to assign your greatest value to the worth of the calling that he's placed in you. That's, somebody's, I, that's narcissistic. I'm pathological. I've got issues. Well, maybe you do. <laughs> Most likely... You do have some pathology. Most likely you might deal with some things. I think everybody in here does. Nevertheless, the Lord sees who you are, the beginning and the end. Right. The Lord, like Paul, will call those things which are not as though they are. When you received your calling, and you've been on this journey, and the Lord said some things about you and your calling, and now what happens? You go on a path in your calling, right? And you notice that he said some things about me that I'm not really living up to. I, I can't even live up to that. It's too, it's too amazing for me, right? I'm a, I got some problems. You run in and get to a wall. And God called you. And he's saying, I want you to take the calling that's on your life. I want you to believe me. Live up to value. And that is your most highest value. Uh, Stephen brought this out, up this last year. Isaiah, Isaiah forty three twenty one. He says, "You know, Carol, I, I really, 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 I'm really going to believe this. I was made by Him to praise Him. Can't we tell? Thank God He's believing in who He is, because every time He does, He transmits Jesus." 
And every time you believe who God says you are, you transmit Jesus. It brings him the greatest reward when you say, he called me this way and I'm standing, uh, uh, I'm standing my ground on who the Lord called me to be. And you're particular, you're unique, you're peculiar, and you're not like anyone else in this room. You're very, very, very specially created by him with a particularity that no one else can live up to. And no one else was meant to. You have a, per a perception that is unique that comes only from him. And with that perception and someone else's perception and another perception of who God is, we begin to experience his life together. Because your perception and my perception together with all of our perception starts to give us an idea of him. The body and its diversity was never meant to be that it would somehow take away from its uniqueness by getting us to be all the same. There's so many perceptions in here right now. I get to hear some of them every week. And I'm like, you were going through that? I mean, I had no idea. And you were going through that? And you heard that, but that, that doesn't even match what that person heard from. I mean, it has no correlation sometimes to anyone else. And it's still the same Lord. Some of you in the room are matching with other ones, and that brings real excitement to you. But you must live worthily, live up to your calling. I think the greatest war against God's people is to get you to capitulate to some substandard understanding of who God says that you are. To get you to undermine it. Or to over-magnify it. <laughs> some, some of us, me, you know, have had a little struggle with that. <laughs> you know, I'm going to make much of Carol. <laughs> I'm amazing. I just want to tell you about it. <laughs> well, the Lord knows how to deal with that guy. I love you, son, but <laughs> that's not exactly what I was looking like. Jesus deals with this in Mark. The man with the shriveled hand. That man says to him, he says, um, Jesus, the Holy One of Israel. Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy One of Israel. He both insulted the man and um, flattered the man in the same sentence. And Jesus says, come out of him, you unclean spirit. <laughs> and the man's hands open. Come out, unclean spirit, because the unclean spirit of the critical you're from Nazareth, you're a bumpkin, you'll never amount to anything. You're amazing. Flattery, come out. This isn't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this deep longing and knowing with a relationship with the Father that I am loved by Him and that in that place, in that place, I'm willing to stand for what He said in my life and I'm willing to be processed in the middle of it together with my brothers and sisters. Live worthily of your calling. I like this. He says, he goes on and says, with all humility. <laughs> so he's just going to deal with it right off the bat. You have to be fully dependent. I want to be fully dependent. Well, it's going to hurt the worthiness of your calling. I don't want to be gentle. I'm kind of rude. You know, I got an edge about me. <laughs> I'm here to iron sharpen some iron. <laughs> I'm 
I'm going to bristle you up. <laughs> I'll show you. <laughs> ah! <laughs> he says, and gentleness, all humility and gentleness with patience. Have you, are y'all starting to notice something? I can't do this. <laughs> you know, I need grace. I mean, it just you get into just humility. He's like, I need grace to be humble. I need grace to be humble because I'm the most remarkable person I've ever met. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? I need grace to, to walk in dependence. You can't walk in dependence without grace. I need grace to be gentle. I need grace for patience. I need listen to this one. Bear with everyone else in love. Oh, oh that, that person is it. Does everybody have someone sometimes in your life that's just like, I don't want to be around them. I'll just act like they're not in the room. I'm not going in the room, you know. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. You want to walk worthy of your calling? This is how. You want your life, um, Austin Harris, he's talking to me last night. You want all that the Lord has for you and your calling that's on your life, which is so remarkable and glorious. Here it is, brother. Here it is, brothers and sisters. Make every effort to keep the unity and the spirit in the bond of peace. If you get checked, listen, if you get checked in your relationship with others, just come in, just lay that thing low and let's just admit it and let's, let's not hold on to your position. Hold on to the person. Don't let your position ever outweigh the person. If you're, because... I've had to do this. I'm a parent. And sometimes we take up a position with our kids. I, I had this happen one morning with Leander on the way to school. And he, he was crying and wailing and stuff. And, and I said, you're, you're going to go to school today. I'm like, you're going to school today. And Kara's like, Carol. And I'm like, don't say anything. I have to stay in my position. He's, he's just, he's just, he just needs, he just needs something right now. No, no, no. I'm holding my, I'm holding my ground. Listen, Leander, Leander, you got, you are going to school today. And we get it. All the five other ones are on offloading now the vehicle and Leander's tied to the seat. I said, son, you're going to school today. Like the deeper voice with a slight threat in it. No, Daddy. No. And I, I was like, fine. Close the door because we can't just sit there forever. We go around to CVS, around Veritas. I'm sitting over there. And I, I feel this whole thing just kind of wash over my head. You don't have to be like that. And tears just start welling up in my eyes. And I thought, you don't always have to hold your position. And I said, come up here, buddy. 
And he got right there in my arms, and we both just cried together. And I realized something in that moment, crying with my son, that I was so loved by the Father. Because I loved that boy. But I felt his love come and wash over me. Sometimes we've set position over person. And the Lord is wanting to come through that and speak to our hearts and wash us. He wants us to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And listen, you can't always do that if you take up position. People have taken up position against us before, and we know how it feels. Maybe even rightfully so. But the person that takes up position against you somehow doesn't, somehow, sometimes, isn't sensitive enough to see the person that's sitting behind the position. And you know how much it means to you when someone pushes through the position and sees your person. And how in that moment there's a transfer of love. And in that moment you experience love. Jesus did it to a leper. I think it's in Matthew 8. He comes into the community. Now, you don't bring your kids in with strep throat. You know, but you definitely don't bring a leper into the midst of a colony or a people who don't have leprosy. Why? Because you can contract leprosy. Even Jesus' law is written against that. The law that's written about him. Here comes the leper into the middle of the room. Is his position wrong? Is it? According to the law. Was the leper supposed to come into a wholesome group of people? No. Was that written in the law of Moses, written about Jesus? What is Jesus' disposition? What do you need? I want to be healed. Be healed. Go show yourself to the priest so you can be reinstated to community. Jesus puts this movement of love through relationship first before he places the law. Is he against the law? No. Go show yourself to the priest. Is he violating the law? Well, some would say yes. But see, his relationship with the Father and his knowing, nothing can touch me. I can touch this man and heal him. And I know because he loves me so much, I can reach across the bounds of this position because my disposition, my disposition is love. transformation when he said when I haven't even getting started Lord I'm not even into anything but I'm into everything I'm not even getting into the text how am I going to keep y'all attention Lord <laughs> it's already so good I haven't even got anywhere Yeah, you have a right. 
sometimes your position. Yeah, you have a reason. Yeah, you do. I was in a sauna recently. Um, it was last year with this man, and, and he was engaged in a lifestyle that that would destroy his life. And I, I remember sitting in there, and uh, he was kind of like, uh, he really liked me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that could be not make you feel the best. But I knew who he liked because I could feel his hand wanting to come out of my chest. He needed the man Jesus. He's so loving. And it's like I didn't even see his stuff even though I knew. It's just like the Lord. I started to ask him questions by myself and he just completely opens up. There's this position, yeah, we can take up. But there's a disposition of his very own nature and character that just reaches across and wants to pull people right out of hell and right out of their pain and just massage their heart and say, I love you. And that person is inside of you. He's the most lovely, most beautiful, most gentle, most humble, most kind you see his character? Most peaceful person that there is. He's God, man. See, he says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you two were called to one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Listen, if there's, if there's uh, differences and all these conflicted natures and Paul this, Apollos that, Barnabas this, this denomination, all this stuff, you can know something is wrong inside of the heart of man because they've taken up positions. But they may not know the person. Each of you, he says... Each one of us, grace has been given according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Um, C.S. Lewis says this uh, in the beginning of this book. says, um, I cannot say this in Latin, but I'll say what the translation is in Latin is. Equal in joy, but differing in degree. How's that? Differing in degree because the Lord gives grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ in you. Let me explain. Pete Lineker is not going to get in his scrubs tomorrow and walk into surgery as a neurosurgeon down here, wherever, in Charlotte or wherever the neurosurgeon specialist is, and walk in there and then someone not apprehend him. <laughs> well, am I not a human being? Uh, yes, Pete, you are. Am I not bright and intelligent? Yes, you are. Are you a neurosurgeon, Pete? 
No, you are not. <laughs> He's a computer programmer. He's actually a language specialist with computer programming. But, you know, because this is a real confusion in this age. Don't I have the right to what you have the right to? Shouldn't I be able to have everything that you have? You know, the entitlement. Well, if, if you get that degree, shouldn't I be able to get that degree? Even though it maybe doesn't even fit what I was made to be. You see, Paul, Paul's saying, but each one of us, grace is given according to the measure of the gift of Christ that's in you. So the Lord has endowed each one of us with particular giftedness. And grace is bestowed upon you according to the Lord's prerogative. Does that make you less than someone else in equality? No. Will the Lord give you the same joy and freedom and relational blessing that he would someone else? Yes, he will. So, so we get into this next and um, he, he says, therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he captured captives. Another translation said, he led captive captivity. This idea is, is that, and he gave gifts to men. He gave gifts in distinction to he took from us, he gave to us. Um, someone a couple weeks ago we were talking about Psalm 68 and I, I implore you to read Psalm 68 but uh, in uh, Psalm 68 it begins to unpack this idea that, that um, we're into today now, it'll talk about the lady who's uh, in the house dividing spoil when kings went a space or kings got scattered at Zalmon There, it says that they, they would lay with the dove, the dove who, in Psalm 68, who's uh, green with pinions of gold. Yeah, Carol, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. But when, when the dove, this disposition of God, the gentleness of the Holy Spirit begins to dwell among you richly and begin you begin to feast on his disposition and you begin to know him and he becomes everything to you the dove then the gifts of God begin to break forth out of love and the provision of God comes out of that God never meant for us to be uh, seeking the gift among uh, above the giver I mean we've heard this our whole life but when the dove of God when the it says he's, his pinions are green like gold, begins to settle in among God's people. It said, the lady of the house will divide the spoil and the blessing of the Lord comes on the family. He was ascending on high to take 
to take the captivity captive. So many people resist this. Uh, Jesus says, he said, I would have gathered you as a hand would have gathered you, gathered you. Like a hand would gather her chicks, but you would not. But there, there, is a pe- there is a people, there is a type of people, I, I think you call them a remnant. Oh, now I'm about to preach, man. <laughs> there is a people that, that, that they would say, three-person God. I'm so captured by you and captivated by you. Take me captive when you go to get your captivity. (laughs) I would rather be captured by you and your disposition than any other. I would rather, I would rather, I would rather have you as person than anything, than position. I would rather have your love. I would rather have your relational presence in my life. I would rather you take my hands and bind them behind their back and have you and have your disposition than anything. And each out of eternity says, I found those that were willing to be made captive, captivated by me, that would look only at me, that would only hunger for me, and I will lead the captivity into captivity, and I will give them to my gifts. I will give them myself. Don't resist the wooing of the Lord even into the wilderness, even in the promised land. When he says, proverbially speaking, let me have your whole being. Tie my hands behind my back, whatever it takes, I'm going on with you. You see? I don't want my flesh life to take over my spirit life. I want you, Lord, more than anything. And if I can't do this myself, which apparently I cannot, then tie my hands behind my back. Because I don't want anything and I can do nothing. But without you. And in the middle of that, this dove, this Holy Spirit dove, settles down into the midst of the people like that. And he says, Oh, they want me. They would willingly subordinate themselves to me. Willingly. I didn't have to force them to. The devil's sitting there looking at all of us and saying, like he did about Job. If you did that, if you take that from them, and you do that from them, they'll curse you and die. And the Lord says, my love is so great, watch what I will do. They will willingly give up all their rights, lay down all their entire lives for me because my love is greater than death. My love is more supreme. My love is more powerful than any force in the known world. This is the age of the post-master builder. This is the age of real love. Not a love that demands and asserts its own rights, but a love that willingly lays them all down 
at the feet of the cross of the man Jesus Christ. Because as Paul said, there is a resurrection and there is an ascension. I want you, Lord. You, you know why you're here this morning? On Independence Day. Because you know what you're saying in your heart? I want to be dependent. Everybody's kind of got this thing all mixed up and stuff. It got kind of like into the gifts. It kind of missed the whole entire point. How did he do this? He said, well, what is the meaning of he ascended? Except that he descended. Um... Psalm 71, 20. Well, let's do 19. Listen to this. Because your justice, O God, extends to the skies above. Sound like today? You have done great things. O God, who can compare to you? Remember, no comparison. Except quintessential man. Psalmist is saying this, watch what happens. Though you have allowed me to experience much trouble and distress. God allowed that? People don't like to hear that preach, it'll run everybody out of the room. It's in the Bible. Though you've allowed me to experience much trouble and distress, I love this, revive me once again. There is no ascension without descension. There is no position in the heaven without a disposition that goes low. It don't exist. Bring me up against, again from the depths of the earth. Raise me to a position of great honor. Turn and comfort me. You hear what we were doing this morning? I will express my thanks to you on the stringed instrument. Praising your faithfulness oh my 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 god i will sing praises to you accompanied by a harp oh 
You're the Holy One of Israel. And this is, you're doing this, and my lips will shout for joy. <laughs> Descension, ascension. What is this age that we're called into? The age of the postmaster builder. If he who ascended, descended, that he ascended above all the heavens in order to fill all things. Did he, did, did the Lord ascend, descend, ascend to fill some things? No, he did this because he's going to bring a fullness of who he is into the, all the earth. Hey, folks, we're, we're sitting on the cusp of, a, of this brand new age. He told me today, welcome to the age of the postmaster builder. Um, he says, um, I gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That is to build up the body of Christ. But, but hear me out. Zaway in my last point here. Until. I, and I want to say it from this mic. Be wary, be wary of those who go around proclaiming titles of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. I'm, I'm telling you, be wary of that. I'm not saying there's not legitimacy in it at times, but there's a lot of illegitimacy in it. Because the point wasn't let me show you what a great apostle is or prophet or pastor or evangelist or teacher is so that if you become like me, you'll somehow be awesome. That was never God's intention. It's in the philosophy of so much that's going out throughout the earth right now, but it's not the Lord's intention. Listen to what he says his intention is. Until, until. And this is the age of the postmaster builder, the until. We all attain unity of the faith. The anti-ministries will not be successful if there's not a unity that begins to populate in the environment of his expressed anointings that are coming forth. There will become a unity or it's not the Lord. If it is bringing division in the souls and it is not the Lord. There'll be a unity, it'll feel like your family. Like real family. Not the broken family, but the real family. And listen to this. And the knowledge of the Son of God. There'll be a greater knowledge and knowing of Him, Him Himself, in Himself. A greater expression of Him. 
he'll be lifted up. He, he will be communicated about. He will be our greatest treasure. He'll become our greatest prize. It won't be a leadership principle. It will not be positional. It will not be principle. It will not be a program. It will not be a performance. He is a person. He will be admired and longed for and enjoyed. He will be everything. He'll be all that you'll be able to communicate about. He'll be your whole life. He won't be Jesus plus something. He'll be Jesus plus nothing. Any other message, Paul says, you may want to say that's a curse. He says, curse any other message that is preached to you or sung to you. If even an angelic being comes into your room and projects a different message than the man Jesus Christ, curse it. That, let nothing else, let, give nothing else to anything else but to him. Let this knowledge increase inside of us of who he really is, the deep, intimate knowing of the man Jesus. Austin asked me like five weeks ago, Carol, what are you talking about, about this phases and all this and the restoration of all things? R right here, again, attaining to the measure of Christ's full stature. It says, Jesus, Acts 3.21, is retained in the heavens until the restoration of all things. Not just some things, but that you and I would come into the full measure of the stature of the man, Jesus Christ. Impossible, yes. Probable. Guaranteed. Absolutely. Let's stand together. Guaranteed. Guaranteed because Jesus' blood has purchased this at Calvary. He has paid for you and I to come into the full stature. Not a partial stature. Hey, let me say this, and we've been saying this Stephen's been saying this, but it's another quote from C.S. Lewis. But just because you've seen abuse doesn't mean that there isn't use. And have we not seen the abuse of many leadership within God's house? Yes, yes, yes. But there is a remnant and there is a people that God is raising up in this last time and you will attain to the full stature and measure of Christ. The blood has paid for it. And Jesus requested it. John 17. And I'm telling you from this pulpit that Jesus will get his prayer answered.
This is the greatest longing. This brings the greatest glory to the Father. This brings the greatest glory to the great person of the Holy Spirit. That the church would be made full. That the church would experience the fullness of the man Jesus Christ. Again, we're going to have communion together and we close. Hey, hear me, hear me, hear me. Don't be like children. He says that are tossed to and fro. Hey, yes, are things coming against you? Yeah. Do you have things coming at you from every quadrant of life? Yes. But don't let it toss you. Don't let it get a hold of you. Get your eyes on the Lord. Eyes on Jesus, eyes on his presence, eyes right now, even right now, eyes on you, Lord, eyes on you, Lord, eyes on you. I'm navigating my mind, my heart, my, my thoughts back towards you. Not eyes on people, not eyes on circumstance, not eyes on predicaments and programs and positions. And No, 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 your disposition, Lord. That's what we want. Okay, yes, and you're doing this. And yes, you're daily making decisions like this. Yes, you are. Things are trying to throw you off course. Keep your eyes on him. Quintessential man. Okay, come forward. With, we'll have communion together. <laughs>
took the bread and he broke it and he said this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me of the new covenant which is poured out for you do this in remembrance of me may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you may the Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace amen bless you today